0: I thought about uh, uh, preparing another little quiz show like I did on the last one. I couldn't think of anything good though, uh, but uh, I did come up with one thing. Here's a question I want to ask you, cold open before the intro even. Uh, Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, also both starred in the movie Jaws 3D. Finish the yes. finish this tagline for Jaws 3D. Oh God! The third dimension is blank.
1: Shark. Delicious?
0: <laughs> the third dimension is delicious.
1: Because you're going to get eaten by the shark. <laughs> the tagline is,
0: the third dimension is terror.
1: Uh-huh. But it is also
0: depth. It kind of implies that it's not actually in 3D, but it is. It was in but 3D. But it is.
1: It is in 3D. But I listen, I know <laughs> we're trying to be very spooky right here, but it is still in 3D. Just it so is still know. in 3D. Is 3D. The third
0: dimension is still depth.
2: Listen.
1: Yeah, if they I mean have You just it, walk they into the, sh- the theater and they
2: kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the 3D movie. <laughs>
0: it was terror. It should have
2: been called Jaws 4D then.
0: I mean, true. There was terror. There and were three dimensions like and an extra dimension of terror. It's messed
1: up. That's fair. That's fair. And as we all know, the fourth dimension is smell, as Spike is 4D taught us.
0: Um, but it's not because, I mean, look, that was a, a retcon. Because we originally all knew <laughs> that the fourth dimension was terror. But they yeah. were trying to change uh, yeah. it and like make it fit their woke agenda. And it's just. Yeah,
2: maybe yeah. it's. Maybe it's a fourth dimension. Not every fourth dimension has to be the same. That's some, oh, you just pick. That's some. You have like you have shit. your
1: three dimensions that everybody else has, <laughs> and then you get to pick the fourth dimension. It's like a yogurt shop. You get to pick which dimension oh. is that fourth one right on top. Oh yeah. Ever been Subway Jackson. Let's, the dimensions are like that. Let's
0: just pick and choose what dimensions we all identify with. That sounds like some fucking bullshit to me. <laughs>
1: Tag yourself, I'm the dimension that is delicious.
0: This is, this is a bit of me pretending to talk like Republicans, do not uh, reflect any actual yeah, feelings, I yeah, feel. Literally. Hi, welcome to uh, the Cool Takes podcast, the only bad movie podcast where the bad movies are good, actually. Every week we watch an unpopular or unliked movie. Uh, ooh, balls. Every Ooh. week, oh. we mount a sincere and unironic defense of an unpopular or unliked movie in the hopes of successfully gaslighting our audience into having bad taste. And my name <coughs> is Jackson, <laughs> uh, or oh, I was going to say Jackson Ally McMurray because I was playing on Enemy, Ooh. but then it just sounds like I'm fishing nice. for praise and I don't
2: want to- Ally!
0: I don't want a virtue signal on Main.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm, so
1: I probably.
0: guess I'm just it's, regular Jackson McMurray.
1: It just regular Jackson, because you're always an always ally. Because I'm always
0: an ally, that's true.
1: You're always an ally. My name is Adeline, won't stop sneezing, and I'm so sorry about it, McMurray.
2: And my name is Keisha, the most thankful girl in the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> most thankful we're talking about, enemy mine.
2: Yes, I'm so excited. So, uh, uh, Because, wait. I-
0: I'll throw to you in a second, Keisha. Be- um.
2: All right, go ahead, go
0: ahead. Just as I was reading about, we're talking about Enemy Mind today, which is a Wolfgang Peterson (laughs) sci-fi
1: extravaganza.
0: extravaganza. It's sort of a, like, 80s family sci-fi fantasy, like one of those type deals. Where
1: a human person gets chucked into a meat grinder. (laughs) That does
0: happen, but that happened in family-friendly movies.
1: It did. It happened yeah, a lot. Yeah, it was the 80s. Um, it was the 80s. You it just was... took your kids to movies and said that it was family friendly and you just pretended exactly. it was okay.
0: Um, And, you know, I had sort of heard of this movie as having a reputation as being kind of a famous flop of the 80s. But I yeah. didn't realize how much of a fiasco it was. Because, like, reading about mm. the history of it on Wikipedia, I'm just seeing that it was, like, spectacularly overblown and over budget. It made like a half of its budget back in its theatrical yeah. release and people oh, wow. hated it like, apparently because they advertised mm-hmm. the fuck out of it and everybody got really annoyed. And oh. then there was so much news about it being a disaster yeah. behind the scenes. It just had so many things stacked against it that like people just revolted. They just and couldn't stand it.
2: Yeah. I heard that the advertising was also poor. Like someone in in high up advertising was reflecting on it and was like, there were so many ways they could have advertised for this movie that would have <laughs> made sense to what it was actually about, and they didn't do right, any yeah. of them. Oh. So tricky. But I wasn't alive in 1985 when they were advertising mm. for this movie. I was born in 1997, and for some reason, my parents <laughs> had this movie on VHS. And my mom liked it. And so I would watch it and I was just enamored by it. I don't know what it was about this movie, but it just it blew me away. It it checked all of the boxes for me as a kid. And so I I wanted to I've never talked about this movie with another living soul outside (laughs) of my family because no one has seen it. No one's even heard of it most of the time. So this is so exciting for me. I finally—it's been 25 years since I've been able to talk about this. Do you want to? <laughs> so I'm. Do you want to give
0: the people at home just a just a brief plot synopsis? Just give them a give them an elevator oh, pitch. Of course on enemy I mind. do. Of
2: course I do. Yes, yes, yes. I will do better than the advertising committee did back in Hell the yeah. 80s. So this movie <laughs> is about. It's in the near, the not too distant future, where. Peace on Earth has finally been reached. And so we we decided to do space travel. It's time for space travel now. But oh no, out in space, there's an enemy race of aliens called the Drax. And they are very reptilian. They have a much different culture than we do. A different language. And we are at war with the Drax. The humans and the Drax are. And so Dennis Quaid also... Known as oh nope Jerry is the the alien right, he has a dumb um, name um um because I always just call him Uncle was not it Will Willis him,
0: spoiler Willis David Willis
2: you yeah, him Davridge. Willis Davidge Davidge which is <laughs> <laughs> <just> the hardest <laughs> human <laughs>
1: last name to pronounce
2: they picked exactly, the bad one <laughs> exactly that's why it's funny so so Dennis Quaid he he's in the middle in the midst of a a Star War mm. there he's flying against the Drax pew 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 they're shooting at each other they both crash land onto a desolate planet they're the only two survivors on this planet And now they have to learn to work together because they they hate each other. They hate each other as a race, but this planet is full of dangers. There are meteors. There are giant pits full of crazy snake, reptilian monsters that eat people. There are these weird turtle things with a bunch of eyes. And so through living together, they teach each other about their cultures. They teach each other their languages. And then... All of a sudden, you find out Jerry the Drac is pregnant. They reproduce asexually. Oh my gosh. And so uh, now all of a sudden, Davidge, he's like, oh, I think that there's, we can get rescued still. And they're learning to like each other. And Jerry's pregnant. And Davidge is like, I got to go find if there's people. He does find that there's humans and there are Dracs on the planet. But spoiler alert, the humans are enslaving the Dracs Whoa. And so he goes back. He's like, no, 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 we're not. We're done. We're not going to go out there. Then Jerry dies in childbirth. Oh my gosh. So sad. So sad. So he gives birth to a little baby named Zamish. Zamish. And Zamish is raised by his uncle until all of a sudden he gets picked up by some humans. She gets shot. And then He's taken back to the space station. He's like, "Oh my gosh, I was only dreaming of going back to the space station." But then he's like, "No, my nephew slash my friend's son. He's back there. I have to save him." And so then they go back. He frees all of the Drex, and then there's peace between the races. <laughs> the he <end>. fixes it. <laughs> we did it. We fixed he racism. Fixes racism. Yay! Exactly. Exactly. So here's <laughs> it's all it takes.
0: Here's here's what I've learned about this movie. What I sort of thought this so this is directed by Wolfgang Peterson, most yes, most known is. for Neverending Story, um, but Wolfgang Peterson has a really bizarre career. Um, he's a German guy. He's directed German language movies.
2: Mm-hmm. Wolfgang uh-huh.
0: and uh, Das Boot is his like big break. He makes the German movie. Das it's nominated Boot. for best picture. It's a huge success. Um, His first English language movie is The NeverEnding Story, which is kind of a weird left turn for him because he'd made a lot of sort of like dramas and political thrillers previously. Um, And then after NeverEnding Story is a huge success, the next year he makes Enemy Mine. This is like his big family genre follow-up to NeverEnding Story, which bombs extremely hard and... He just goes back yeah. to making political thrillers again, basically forever. He makes, like, Air Force well, One <laughs> with uh, Harrison Ford and In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood. He does a lot of uh, uh, guys in suits running from the government type movies. Um,
1: All the stuff that your dad hears about and goes,
2: oh, I kind of want to watch that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well
2: um, And Poseidon. And
0: Poseidon. He does a few others. He, his last big, like, blockbuster <laughs> before Poseidon. Was uh Troy, which mm-hmm. was a two thousand four movie that had Brad Pitt in it as like a gladiator, I guess.
2: Yeah, because it's the it feels familiar. You know, the war, the yeah. war. The oh war. damn, Orlando
0: Bloom's in this flick. <laughs> I can't picture Orlando Bloom as oh. a Roman. That doesn't seem right.
2: I I don't know. I think it makes sense. <laughs> um, he was short hair, but anyway, he's, so, got, so, he's got a good nose for it, right? It's like pretty boy romance. So I always
0: kind of assumed that it was like, oh, he made Never Ending Story. He was like, oh, I'm good at this family genre stuff. I'll make another. Turns out that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Enemy Mine had an entirely different director that they shot a lot of footage with. which another With another director named Richard uh, Longcrane, who is a oh. guy I'm not very familiar with. He has a very, like... I don't know. He did that Wimbledon movie with Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst. Uh, oh. He did a Richard Third adaptation. Like, he's got a bunch of movies that seem like they probably made a few million dollars in the 80s, but it's all the kind of movies you couldn't fucking make anymore. Like, The Missionary.
1: Not in this economy. It's just
0: like a movie about a missionary. <laughs> and you're like, I guess? I'm sure that made some money. Anyway. Is um, that Jane
1: Eyre? Is it Jane Eyre?
0: <laughs> no, it's not Jane Eyre. Uh, oh, damn. So they're making this movie with this other director and it's just not fucking working. Apparently the costume was way worse. Apparently the locations they were filming on were really terrible. Like it didn't feel alien. It didn't feel good. Uh, Richard Long crane bounces or let's see, let me, let me read exactly what's going on. Uh, it, I, He was fired. Basically they were like, this is terrible. It's not working. Mm. And they fire the guy. And as they're looking around Wolfgang Peterson is still walking
1: by eating a sandwich <laughs> is
0: still working on never ending story. Never ending story hasn't even come out yet. Um, And they halt production on enemy mine to wait until he finishes work on never ending story. At which point he can come in and start work on enemy mine. And apparently he just told them to throw everything they had in the garbage. Like they uh-huh. took
2: uh-huh. Oh, my uh, God.
0: 18 million dollars worth of footage and just threw it away in the garbage. Um, wow. And they started from scratch, basically. They made a new costume. They changed where they were filming. They they did everything to like make this an entirely different movie. So this this is the reason that it was such an overblown disaster. Because, you know, this movie, when you're watching mm-hmm. it, it's pretty small. Like there are locations and oh, you yeah. gotta, you know, you've got yeah. a few alien costumes and a few different sets that you gotta like travel to. But for the most part, it's like only a few locations and not a ton of special effects, you know, um,
2: and not the greatest special yeah, effects.
0: Yeah,
2: um, yeah, but it's it's the eighties. But nevertheless,
0: you know? the problem is that they mm-hmm. basically had to make it twice, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. it cost with yeah. the
1: one budget. Yeah. yeah, so
0: it cost forty million dollars in nineteen eighty five, which is mm-hmm. hey a lot, and then it made yeah. like less than half of its budget back by the time they yeah, actually Yeah, it did
2: made 12.3 million dollars in the yeah. states, which is it was just it's
0: just a big just a disaster.
2: I think I read something where it came out Thanksgiving weekend and by Christmas it had only made 2.5 million dollars <laughs> in the US. <laughs> <laughs> like That's it not was good. bad. <laughs>
0: um So and I think, you know, I think that I mean, I watched the movie and I obviously I don't know why I feel the need to point that out. Obviously, we watched yeah, the movie. Yeah, I
2: want to know how you guys I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I really good. liked it.
0: I, I have a, a measured yeah. positive response to this movie. I think it is fundamentally... I think audiences in 1985, I just don't think, could grasp onto this. I think you're like... It's... That's Oh, yeah. yeah so, get this. There's like this asexual... Uh... Uh-huh. gender neutral alien who uh has a child with himself and he forms a bizarre family unit with another man, I feel like that's yeah. just too mm-hmm. that's just too, too much yeah, it's a
2: bit too above deviant the nose. for the average
0: American <laughs> at the time like I feel like ninety percent of people going to see this movie in nineteen eighty five were like that was so weird like
1: what the fuck? yeah yeah <laughs> well and it's I think this movie really it's got pacing issues or I feel like sometimes it's really slow and sometimes it's really fast like I feel like Keisha describing the plot of the movie like you hit every single beat like there's nothing else to be seen of Mm -hmm. the movie like that's it that's the movie and it's very good it's very enjoyable but like the pacing is weird
2: yeah like I mean I totally get what you're saying because I mean, there's some moments that are like long and drawn out where they're just having conversations, and then it'll like cut so fast to like something completely different. And then the next day, like, I went
1: outside and the world had ended. Well, and you're like, "Thanks, Will." I,
2: I noticed the like one scene, like where he starts to um kill the like turtle guys with the bow and arrow. It cut so fast. I was like, "Did I like <laughs> fall asleep?" And I What's wasn't Like I wasn't sleepy. I was like, "What happened?" But also, I'm, I don't, I, I am just like, I have a lot of nostalgia with this movie, right. so it's hard for me, even though I can see, like, it is very cheesy. It's very campy. Oh, yeah. But I think that it's so fun and the, I like, I think it's acted so well and it's like the Drax as like a race of aliens it feels so grounded that i just love it and the alien makeup is so it's good it's very good like i thought that they were r- real like how could <laughs> it not be real right. i was like, like he has the like balloony things that he yeah, breathes like, on the sides around his his of his head be- yeah yeah
1: I'll say, because, yeah. like, the, the movie that you want to compare this movie to is Star Wars, and it's not Star Wars. I think this movie yeah, is... It's not even close. Like, Star Wars is a movie, this movie is a book, if that makes any sense. It's a very good, wonderful <laughs> yeah. book, but it's well, a book. Well, it's based on a
2: book. Yeah. It, it
1: feels very much like a book. This feels like something your third grade teacher would play when you just, like, didn't have anything to do at the end of the school year. Like, it's very much, that's just, like, what the movie mm-hmm. feels like. And I think the campiness... ...doesn't detract from what we're doing. I think it can be grounded and kind of campy at the same time and still work. But comparing it to Star Wars, like, the costumes are there, like, with each other. Like, the costumes are good and improve upon Mm -hmm. each other. When it comes to spaceships being in space... Star Wars blows this movie out of the water, and I guess that just must have been a much more expensive process than I thought that it was. There's a shot where two of the ships are, like, following each other in this one shot, and I swear to God, you can see, like, the lasso tool outline on the two ships as they, like, move across the screen. Like, it's (laughs) not... (laughs) Some something happened here. The, this was where the budget really fell apart. This movie
0: it feels a lot more like an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation than it
1: really Star does. Wars. Yeah, like yeah. this is it's what happens. Denser. This
0: is what happens off screen, and then the two of them just show up on the Enterprise, and they're like, "Yeah, sir, we yeah. have to find our son." And they're like, "What do you mean your son? How does your that make soul? sense?" it's like his species reproduces asexually and then they go down and they get inside like that's what this is
1: and it's it's star trek so they just explain a bunch of shit to you (laughs) and not show it to
2: you yeah Uh, star trek but like hey that's like did you see that reveal coming did you see it coming when he was like i'm not lazy i'm pregnant (laughs) i I did kind of call it they were making they were having a lot of conversations of like about
1: how fat he is. <laughs> well, and then they they kept pointing it out, but then they also kept being like, you how can you be a man and a woman?" And he's like, "I'm not a man or a woman. You freaking bigot!"
2: Like hit him. Yeah. yeah. He they said non-binary rights in the '80s, and good True. for them. Yeah. Uh, good for. If them. you are
0: a space alien, then it's fine. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> the
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and that's one of the other things. I feel like. I have like a weird complicated relationship with like the ideas presented in this movie because it is like an extremely green book ass movie where you're yeah. just like, oh, the solution to racism is to make a black friend. Just find a black friend yeah. and then you won't be racist anymore. Right. Learn
1: about their culture and then racism yeah. will disappear. But and and well, like, it's it's, I I mean it's yeah. a little <laughs> bit
0: odd that like how straight up and down and cut and dry, the metaphor is, where it's just (laughs) like we have a black man in prosthetic makeup playing the alien, quote unquote, and then it's like, oh, and his species are enslaved by humans, and you're like, okay, and then it's just like solving racism through friendship all through (laughs) And
2: at one point, he literally is like, um, you white men are the colonizers, (laughs) (laughs) right? not us, we are explorers! (laughs) And then... But I mean... To give it the benefit of the doubt, though, it is like the 80s, yeah. and it is more of like an allegory for racism rather exactly. than yeah. like, this is exactly how racism is yeah. solved, but it is like, you did put a black guy in, in space makeup, <laughs> yeah. didn't you? And you were like, that's fine, I yeah, guess. Like,
0: this <laughs> is you, a metaphor. And you make them from-
2: make weird clicking sounds. They
1: did have one black woman earlier, so that makes it okay. But she's yeah, there true. for 2.5 seconds that so we never see her again. She doesn't get to be part of the gang that we never actually meet, but keep showing up. Right. Yeah. There's, it's not
2: like a huge no, yeah. gang. And that's the thing. Gang. It's not. About I mean, gang. you. I think
0: what you were saying is, is exactly like why it doesn't really bother me that much because it's like green book is just yeah. like, this is racism. And this is how we fix it. Yeah. Here's a black <laughs> man we and a white it. man based yeah. on a true story of how they solved racism. And you're like, N- uh-huh. No, please don't do that. But this is like the
1: year is twenty sixteen yeah. and we think this is okay. And, and a much like, no. more a
0: much more abstract thing in this movie it was just like maybe we should yeah. all just listen to each other and get along. And you're like, yeah, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know, whatever. Fine. <laughs> sure.
2: Uh
0: <laughs> which feel extremely yeah, differently. It's a
2: family movie. But then yeah. the opposite
0: <laughs> thing, I think I, like just thinking about how this movie has aged. And why, you know, people just revolted against it in the 80s, and why I think a lot of people, like, who have seen it recently are sort of coming around to it. Like, on the Wikipedia page, they have, like, a little segment on the reception that's, like, although, like, many people, like, who were reviewing it later had much more favorable views of it. Like, this is a thing that has sort of objectively
2: uh-huh.
0: aged well over time.
1: Like, it's really not that bad. It just got yeah. screwed over. Yeah. And I think that... Part of it
0: is, like, the essential sort of, like, it it feels weird to describe it as essentially queer, because I really think that it is, but it's also sort of, like, it's, I'm trying to describe exactly the way that it feels, like, for people who aren't watching the movie, because it it Mm -hmm. sets up this sort of, like, pseudo-family unit between these two men, right, And they like have a child together, more or less, even though there's a lot of hand waving as to how they're not actually, you know. Yeah. Sexually engaged. Yeah. I didn't
2: fuck you. Um, It's like, yeah, we know, Will. (laughs) We know that you did it. I know. But it's. I was telling a friend about this movie and there's legitimately a scene where they wrestle each other like in Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) There is, there is. If this were made 20 years later, they'd probably be gay. But then also, I'm not going to erase the fact that his his species is asexual. That's not me. And yeah, Yeah, it's just like, it's (laughs) almost
0: like that. You know, it has like a weirdly progressive sexual ideology in spite of the fact mm-hmm. that it has absolutely no knowledge of the fact that that's what it's doing. <laughs> Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it's
1: like, it, it's going so yeah. far out of its way to not be that while still being that. Because, like, I mean, like we said, like, every conversation they have, they're like, I don't love you, I hate you. Also, it, yeah. I, well, how can you be a man and a, and a woman? I didn't get you pregnant. It's like stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, come on, Will. <laughs> Just be yeah. cool about
2: it. I feel like, yeah, I've also just been thinking about that in general because, like, I I see the same things that you guys are seeing because I was like, if I wrote this movie, I'd probably just make them right. gay. Yeah. But then <laughs> I also want to be, like, respectful of the fact that they are trying to tell a story of, like, where brotherhood can come from right. and that, like, there can also just be, like, love That is platonic between two men. Cause I, I myself have just gotten too into the habit of being like, make it gay, make it gay. And then it's like, Oh, I like, I'm, I don't want to keep simplifying other people's stories because I want that narrative to get enough respect so i'm torn because there are a lot of good like brotherly elements between them as well that aren't like necessarily romantic it's really hard with like
1: toxic masculinity kind of stuff like that because it really is a situation where you want as much of both as possible and how they both weirdly kind of hurt each other because i mean the same thing with like men driven stories it's like we want it to be like okay like your whole identity doesn't have to be the fact that you don't like men. Like, you can have, like, these huge, very important plutonic relationships with people without, like, losing your masculinity or whatever. But also, some men are gay, and we should show that some men are gay, but then it turns into a thing where if any men show any affection, then we automatically assume that they're gay. So anyone with any toxic masculinity isn't going to want to show any affection towards another man. It's just, like... There's no way to win, basically.
0: (laughs) Well, and I mean, I think there's a difference between saying like, it's so gay. They're so gay for each other as opposed to like just looking at a movie through a queer lens, you know, and thinking Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. like just through that, you know, uh, uh, what's the word Uh, that like academic framework, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like how this movie relates to sexuality and gender ideas and like. I think you know the the two things can can exist at the same time. I think I think it's true. Yeah. I think it's totally no, true agree. and valid that this that this movie does not literally feature a homosexual relationship between a human and an alien, but the way that these ideas are presented and the manner in which these ideas are executed, it evokes a lot of queer ideas, whether that's through. You know, it being like two men starting a family together, sort of, or you know, like the strictly like post gender, like I don't, I guess is post gender a word real people use, or is that a dumb conservative thing people say to own the libs? I don't know.
1: I mean, I know I, what you mean when I you don't say know. it. I don't uh, have an answer.
0: Well, I mean, I know what I meant when I said it, but you know what I, whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm using a dog whistle on accident or not. Um, but like the the sort of like. Uh, a gender spectrum ideology of being like here are these beings that exist outside of the binary of of you know gender that we all subscribe to as a society. Yeah.
1: And yeah, they don't fit into the nuclear family. Right, box. exactly. Yeah.
0: It's it's atypical in so many ways obviously. And even if it was like a well, man yeah, and a and woman I, and they had sex and reproduced, it would still be like a person yeah. and an alien, right? Which is yeah, like a quintessential uh-huh. sort of mm-hmm. like allegory for queerness in in the modern world you know and Mm -hmm. it it still it still functions on that level it could be analyzed on that level without you having to reduce it to be like it's two dudes Mm -hmm. and they're gay (laughs) you know
2: Yeah, yeah 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 but i do think that like that even in and of itself is quintessential to the point of this movie that they are just opposites in every way like you pr- reproduce asexually. I reproduce, like, there needs to be two people to reproduce in my species. Like, that is something that's so foreign to us that it's, like, how can you see this and see these two people, like, reconcile and become friends and, like, be- like become two beings who love each right. other on whatever level? And then we're, like, out just killing people and lots of wars. It's pretty right. fun. It's pretty. Here's cool. something. Human. This is this is
0: a weird, tricky thing to talk about. So I'm gonna just talk about it carefully. But like, uh, okay. I Crimes of the Future, the new David Cronenberg movie, is a movie that is all about, um, sort of like the relationship that humanity has with technology in a weird kind of way but Mm -hmm. it is a really fundamentally sort of trans story in the sense that it's... Man, it's so hard to describe if you haven't seen it because that movie is so wild. But, uh, I mean, so... Okay, so just some spoilers for Crimes of the Future. Part of the premise is that, like, humans are just sort of starting to evolve rapidly on their own and spontaneously generate organs for reasons that are a mystery to science. And you find out that it's because some people are rapidly developing this capacity to digest and get nutrition from plastic. Um, so there's like a sect of people who are modifying themselves sort of in parallel to the spontaneous mutations in order to make themselves fully and completely sort of able to just fully embrace that lifestyle and eat plastic. Um, Mm -hmm. and Viggo Mortensen is sort of becoming one, but he doesn't know it. And it's all about his journey of like learning about that community and figuring out what it is and eventually sort of embracing it and becoming one of them. And, and
1: just eating a whole bunch of plastic. And eating
0: a whole bunch of plastic. But the movie is so fucking good and I love it so much. And my weird little description doesn't really do it justice. Um, But, uh, and I went and saw it with my, with my friend Vi um, and they, you know, are obviously a trans person and they have a vested interest in the in the mm-hmm. in the trans allegory of that movie but one of the things that they talked about coming out of it was like they had said that like they had heard people talking about like that it that some people didn't like that the plastic eating and the organs it's all sort of very disturbing and kind of gross and sort of weird and upsetting to look at a lot of the time and mm-hmm. And, you know, some people held the opinion that it was, like, I'm not comfortable with trans people being sort of, like, represented metaphorically like that. Because, like, I don't feel like mm-hmm. I'm gross and weird. But Vi's whole thing was, like, but the reality is that to a lot of people, we are. It feels unnatural. And, like, part of the entire idea of the story is is that it is, uh, 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 like being in synchronicity with technology in a way that like gender affirming surgery and procedures is in a lot of ways. Um, and the, the purpose is not to just present trans ideology as, as, as disturbing and weird to like label it. So, but is to acknowledge that too many people who have lived their lives for so long, it is uncomfortable And upsetting, and that's something that we have to move beyond. That's, like, the important facet of all of this. Because if it wasn't
2: Mm.
0: disturbing Mm. in some way to people in general, uh, uh, we wouldn't have a problem, (laughs) you know? Yeah, uh Um,
2: yeah.
1: And uh, You need to unlearn whatever your problem exactly.
0: is with it. And yeah. part of the beauty, this is—I yeah. don't want to go like too deep into Crimes of in the Future, but part of the thing that's so wonderful about that movie is that at first, all the surgery stuff is super gross and upsetting, but it desensitizes you to it in a really particular way. That, like, not in the way that you, like, become numb to the violence, but, like, that it sort of starts to be, feel more normal and more weirdly beautiful as the movie goes on. And you start to, like, really accept it as part of the world in a way that I think is really, really effective and, like, capturing the journey of the movie. I think that movie's a fucking masterpiece. Anyway, um, regarding Enemy Mine, mine. <laughs> I was thinking a lot about that <laughs> while um, we were watching it because I feel like this movie kind of operates in a similar way like when mm-hmm. when the uh when Jerry is that what he calls him jerry when
1: yeah, when yeah.
0: Jerry like gets pregnant all on his own, like I can imagine every dad in the movie theater in nineteen eighty five being like, "No, nah, I don't get this movie. Like, What's going Yee. on? like
2: yeah, <laughs> and I feel like
0: that is a sort of purposefully bizarre and upsetting plot yeah. development. That I think serves a very real purpose of sort of normalizing Mm -hmm. itself in the context of the story. Mm -hmm. That was a very roundabout way to get to that point. But do you understand what I'm saying and what I'm getting at here?
2: Well, yeah, I would say that like uh, it's the movie is particularly challenging the audience to empathize with both of these people, like at every level, like there's nothing it's like they never translate on screen what Jerry is saying. Like they don't ever write it out in words in English. It's always like you hear it and then maybe they might respond in English or maybe they'll get to the point where they're translating. They're able to translate back and forth. But it's it's particularly challenging the audience to say this is as far from human as you can right. possibly get. You're empathizing with it mm-hmm. anyway. There's probably a reason that you're able to empathize with this thing, even though it's not human at all. Like this, it's so bizarre to us. So like maybe try a little bit. (laughs) And then especially when he has a kid, you're like, how can you not empathize with this cute little kid? Yeah, he's sweet. He's the cutest kid on Earth. Not on Earth. He's the cutest kid in the galaxy.
0: He's cutest kid on that moon.
2: (laughs) On On that that planet. Whatever it is. Meteor, I like their name, the word, the drac word for meteor. Jerky, jerky. (laughs) He's the
0: cutest kid on this planet and the only kid on this planet, but that's not the point.
2: That's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) When, okay, because that part when, like, so in the latter half of the movie, um, Jerry unfortunately passes away and his son, Zomish, you see him being raised by Dennis Quaid's Uh character and he starts to notice that he and his uncle—he calls him his uncle—they are—they don't look right. the same, but like he all doesn't know anything other than like the love that his uncle has given him, and you can see the growth that Dennis Quaid's character has made for himself, which kind of this point goes back to what we were talking about, like looking at it through a queer lens. But he, so his uncle shows him just nothing but like love. And then he still has a hard time coming to terms with his own self where he'll oh, look yeah. at himself in the mirror and he doesn't like or the reflection because there's no mirror. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't particularly right. like it. Or at one point he sits down with his uncle and he says, like, when are my fingers? He only has three fingers. He said, when are my fingers going to grow back? When do I get four and five? Like, I want your face. I want your fingers. And and Dennis Quaid's character is able to go full circle and say, no, like you are Beautiful the way you are. Like you're supposed to be that way. And I don't want you to be like me just because you don't you don't like the way you are. It's so good. Yeah, I mean it's another It's too good for 1985. (laughs) It's too good
0: for 1985, exactly. It's another moment (laughs) that feels really on the nose, but I think that it I think that it is on the nose in a more effective way than some of the other things in this movie. Where it's like just the the idea. I mean it can it can apply to a lot of different things, but like the idea of like having to talk to your kid about race and how difficult Mm -hmm. that can be. It also kind of reminds me of Mahershala Ali in Moonlight, like having to talk to, 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 uh, what's the kid's name? What's the guy's name in Moonlight?
1: Moonlight. (laughs) Chiron.
0: Uh, (laughs) uh, but it's just, yeah. Like having to sort of like talk him through, his identity, <laughs> you know, in mm-hmm, a way, mm-hmm. in a way that you wouldn't have to do in a, in a, in a perfect society, but you just have to, and you have to yeah. uh, like, you know, you got to find the balance of like, how much do you want to tell your kid when they're this young? How much do you want to yeah. expose them to, but how do you keep them safe? Like tell mm-hmm. them enough that they can, you know. Have a healthy, healthy idea of themselves in spite of everything, and also just be safe in the world. I think it's Mm -hmm. that's that's my favorite part of the movie is when uh, 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 Dennis Quaid is is, is talking to Zombie about
1: my favorite part of the movie is where he teaches Zombie how to play football. That's my favorite. Oh, it's so cute because it's fucking adorable. Eat the melon at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because I was about to say because that whole interaction, like we were kind of saying, it it's not like a one to one metaphor because it can apply to a lot of things it can apply to a, a, a mixed race mm-hmm. child it can it can apply to a child that doesn't identify with their gender identity or as a gender, different yeah. gender identity than the person who's raising them like there's a whole bunch of things that that whole conversation can really connect to but i love it in the context of the queer lens or even not the queer lens of just two men in this room in this like affectionate plutonic relationship where it it seems to me, like, I, I just have to connect football to toxic masculinity, because right. that's what it is. Like, that's, it's the biggest culprit mm-hmm. of it. And in this scene, where obviously, little Zamish does not know the rules to football, because they're an alien, but, like, how loving he is, how how loving Dennis Quaid is the whole time of teaching him the rules and just playing around Mm -hmm. and just kind of throwing the rules out the window sometimes and just tackling him and handing him the football, like stuff like that. Like, I think that's, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but just like, I think that's the perfect representation of like, ignoring the content, unlearning what you've learned to do something good, where it's like obviously, boys play football and they're good at it. Well, my little non-binary alien son, who I love, (laughs) I'm going to teach them how to play football. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but I think my assumption for that scene in particular, at least in the 1985 context, is that, like, American football is quintessential American football. Oh, that too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's nothing more American than football. And that... And Zamish is not human. He's definitely not American. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, but it's something that he learns. Like he is able to learn and love that from a, an entirely different culture, uh, from a place that he'll never, ever visit. And he is also at the same time, at the very end of the movie, like he gets accepted into drag society, be, like via the their like religion that they have to, the way that they learn it is by having a master like you have to have a mentor who's teaching you the book that um jerry gives to uh da- dawich <laughs> i just like the way he says his name he gives to willis davidge like and he learns it as a human like he learns his a, a completely different species religion right. and is able to teach it to a child so this like child zamish is a perfect uh, like amalgamation of these two entirely different cultures. And like, especially in 1985 when like, there still weren't that many like mixed race kids. Mm-hmm. It, it's a really inspiring story to see, even though it is ham-fisted and it's silly and it's a melon and, <laughs> and it's in a, and it ends with a weird mine uh, mind. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Uh, like it's, it's a cool thing to see because I Especially, like, talking to my grandparents and, like, my parents even, it's it's something that, like, when you're an immigrant to a place, like, you just keep to yourself and you don't, like, you're too scared to learn about other cultures or, like, Mm -hmm. if you're from that culture, there's no way for you to dive into learning about other cultures. And our generation or generation even a bit above us has been way more... um, Invitational in inviting other people to experience different cultures, and this movie is is talking about that. And I just think it's cool. I think it helped me as like a little mixed race kid being like, oh, I don't look like both of my parents. I look like I don't. I don't even know what or. Like I have to balance between these two things, but it's possible because there's love right. behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just cool. I just like this movie, you guys. It's a I just good like click. it. <laughs> it's good. My
0: favorite part of the Wikipedia <laughs> page is uh, when it says like it was a box office failure. Uh, it screened in the Soviet Union. It was kind of successful there. And then the final page in the first or the final sentence of the first paragraph, totally unsighted, unsourced, just says it later gained a cult following. Period
2: you're like i guess
0: (laughs) according to who i don't know whatever yeah
2: (laughs) i said i literally never met a single person i was about to say
1: i only heard of this movie when keisha wouldn't stop talking about yeah yeah yeah. And i mean as i was
0: as i was looking at sort of reviews on letterboxd and stuff and on imdb or whatever like most of the reviews coming from people like in the last 10 years are like you know, are pretty positive. Like, it's it's not like they're like, wow, mm-hmm. this actually is the best movie ever. But they're just like, Yeah, this is yeah. kinda sweet. This is like a nice fun little movie, as opposed to in the 80s where people were just like, Fuck this. What are you talking about? I like, don't
1: get yeah. it. I don't get it.
0: Um I do Are they gay or not? I do gotta say, yeah. not <laughs> crazy about Dennis Quaid in this movie. Not my favorite not my oh, favorite yeah. performance of the it year. It
1: should have been Matt Damon. If this was Matt Damon, should've,
0: let me tell you. Should have been Matt Damon. He would've been 10 years then. old.
1: I'm not talking about <laughs> literally. Come on, Jackson.
0: Uh, what's my favorite Dennis Quaid performance? Just
1: because of the Martian. I mean, yeah, um, but like probably, when do you want to see
2: probably, when do you want to see Matt Damon <laughs> holding a little baby alien? I would isn't Matt Damon also, like, the villain of Interstellar? So, I don't Maybe it know. could be
0: Paul Dano. This movie is kind of like Swiss Army Man, if you think about it.
2: If you
1: think about it. Uh, okay, you want to know <laughs> I, another I think, movie? No, you know what? No, 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 no. It should be Tom Hanks. That's who it should if,
0: be. Tom Hanks would be pretty good.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to not see Dennis Quaid in this role because yeah. I've been watching it. Okay, actually, no, I want okay. to see, no, hold
1: on, hold on. I want to see Tom Hanks throw a man into a meat grinder.
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's the thing. What I want. I don't think, I think he has to start feeling mean. I don't know if 80s Tom Hanks can convey that kind of meanness.
1: And Tom Hanks, yeah, but he, he can yell. Too,
2: Tom Hanks can no, yell. No, he had too, his hair was too coiffed at that point. He hadn't been... He hadn't been in a coming off of yet. S- fair, coming off so. a fucking
0: splash, being like an a al- like a space yeah, soldier. No man. way.
2: Yeah, Turner and Turn- Hooch.
0: <laughs> maybe. Turner and Hooch. Yeah, I'm trying to think like Is who's like an '80s Turner guy who's like like Nick Nolte. You get Nick Nolte in here. Ooh boy. Oh. <laughs> uh,
1: Is Dennis a leftover from the original movie? Like, did they change the cast at all? Uh,
0: I'm. No, I don't think they changed the cast. I think the cast is all the same.
1: They just threw it away and started over. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Is it Dennis Quaid who's like a right wing nut job?
1: It sounds right. uh,
0: No, 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 no. It's Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid's the crazy one. Oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Randy Quaid's Um, the one who like has warrants out for his arrest and stuff. (laughs)
1: Oops. Oopsie poopsie. Oh my God. That's Crazy. Get it together, Quaid. Yeah, hold on.
0: Let's take a look. Let's take <laughs> a look at Randy Quaid's legal issues.
1: Woo! Uh,
0: let's see. He sued the production of Brokeback Mountain because he said they didn't advertise it enough and it made him look bad. That's awesome. Okay.
1: okay.
0: Let's see. Weird, in, weird,
1: but okay. In 2009,
0: Quaid and his wife were arrested for allegedly defrauding an innkeeper in Santa Barbara. By using an invalid credit card to pay a $10,000 bill. Okay. Uh, charged with burglary. After they spent five days occupying the guest house in a vacant home. Okay. Let's see. Are they
2: okay? Let's see.
0: Are they all right? Quaid. Damn. Uh, let's see. Oh, maybe not. Hold on this is wow this is crazy i guess he's not really at least as far as i can tell uh oh, okay so it does say he was an outspoken supporter of donald trump but none of his legal issues Oops. have to do with that
1: are related to that yeah
0: they're just like
1: okay
0: he just seems to have a real problem with lodging he's getting in trouble for like <laughs> he
1: can never find a place to staying stay in
0: abandoned houses and not paying hotel bills and stuff what the Weird. hell Quaid lived in Montreal so, and was briefly crazy. arrested for not checking in as a non-resident. <laughs> he just keeps well, getting dude, in trouble for just, where he's sleeping. Just f- does he
2: not have? It's a so home. easy to do those things.
0: <laughs> that's so wild, Randy Quaid. Come on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, don't <laughs> talk yeah. about it. No, it's
2: no,
1: don't. Okay. Okay. We, we don't need him.
2: No, no.
1: He was nominated we for. Fine. Jackson, pick any other Randy uh,
2: and we'll get
0: them on the podcast. Uh, let's see. But now I'm Randy, Randy Newman. Newman. He is, Randy Newman. Have you seen Randy Newman <laughs> lately? He is so old now.
1: That's what, what we got to get him on it. here now. Yeah. Okay, speaking, of of, speaking
0: of Randy Newman, this is a point I wanted to make earlier. Um, here's another movie that is really like Enemy Mine is uh, Lightyear in a lot of ways. Like Lightyear
2: Oh, I still have Lightyear seen is it like
0: yet. aping enemy mine in so many more ways than I was than I ever would have clocked like to. having not seen the movie. But yeah. like you know, there was some like on the press tour for Lightyear some person said like, "You know, we were really, you know, we're trying to borrow a lot from like, you know, science fiction fantasy movies of the early 80s." And like I remember at the time when they said that, people were uh. like Cool. Fucking just say Star Wars, Jesus. Like, just say you wanted to make Star Wars. yeah. But now I'm realizing, I think they, like, really meant that. They're, like, pulling from wide lens. Because, like, visually... Yeah. This Lightyear looks a lot like Enemy Mind. Like, the planet they're on looks a lot like this planet. And also, like, the entire premise oh, cool. of Lightyear is about people, like, sort of being stranded on an alien planet and having to just make a life for themselves anyway.
2: Yeah, there's no sign of intelligent life right.
0: anywhere. And, like, I just... I kept thinking about it. I was like, oh, man. This movie really... Like, Lightyear really feels a lot like Enemy Mind. There's, like, a lot of overlap.
2: Did they... Did Enemy Mind copy Buzz Lightyear? <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. That's cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll watch I Lightyear think,
0: now. I, I, Lightyear's okay.
2: I mean, because... Yeah, I want to watch Lightyear. I just, like... I feel like... This movie, I mean, it's not the best movie by any means, obviously. Like, it's not the best action movie. It's not the best drama. It's not the best, like, family coming-of-age film. But there, it has a lot of really interesting things to say. It works really well as an allegory. And I think that it, it has, a like, a very cool, fun design oh, yeah. that you don't see in a lot of space movies. And it's also not like a Star Wars movie. Like, it doesn't take... Like, the fight scene that happens at the beginning... In space, and then the rest of it is on this planet. Like it's and there's some space station stuff, but like most of it isn't like flying around. It's very grounded. Literally, it's grounded. And there's some fun, some like fun animals. Fun. Little I love. Animals. Yeah, I love
1: the little mollusk with the elephant trunks, and he's like furry. I love that guy. Yeah,
2: I know they get Aiden so easily, though. And the space slugs, so slimy, pretty gross.
0: Uh, Dennis Quaid makes him eat it. Dennis Quaid seems to be. Pretty much okay, as far as I could tell. Just for the record.
2: Great, good job, Dennis. I think he's like, yeah, he's like pretty damn moderate. Yeah, it looks like
0: his political views tab mostly just says he's he describes himself as an independent, and you're like, okay, whatever. I don't know if I'd want to be friends with him, but it's fine. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah you're pro- you you probably self-identify as a libertarian.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> but then he married Meg Ryan. So that's I don't know.
2: I are they? Yeah, they're not married anymore. No, but though. but now their
0: son is Are on the they? boys.
2: That's what I thought. Mm. Yeah, I know he's the boy. He's the well, titular he's
0: boy the boys, from the boys.
2: He is the boy. He's a boy. What if the boys was actually just called a boy? <laughs> a, boy. a boy story. <laughs> a
0: boy story.
2: <laughs> a boy story.
0: <laughs> I've been watching. I've been watching the first season of the boys, and like, as much as I hate to like just really jump on this train, like the the boys is super fucking good. You guys, like, it's. It's no, real it's good. real good. <laughs> it's like...
1: It's good. I
0: read the... this. Is, we're just gonna do... It feels like we're kind of wrapping up and we still got some time to kill, so I'm just gonna riff on whatever else. But, like... <laughs> we're
1: just kind of talking about the boys now.
0: Like, the boys... It's just one of those things where it was just like, oh, I don't know. It's just another one of these fucking comic book shows and it's on Amazon and t- teenagers are really excited about it. So you're like, I'm sure it's fine, but, like, whatever. But I've been watching the first season I'm like, oh, damn. This is, like... This is like too real sometimes. Like this makes me kind of upset yeah, to watch. Yeah. Like it's,
1: that that's that's probably my biggest reason I don't want to watch it. Cause I'm like, I don't wanna be sad. Yeah. And I know it's gonna it's gonna make me upset. It's trying to make me upset. Yeah. It's going to succeed.
0: And it's such a fascinating thing, because like I read the comic books that The Boys is based on. At least a few of them. There's a mm-hmm. it's a super long running series. But I read like the first ten issues. And like those comic books are like so much. It, Darker and more violent and edgier than like the show ends up being. And it's, but it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't affect you as much because the show, the comic book is just like, everyone's killing and fucking and dying. And there's orgies and like all this shit. And you're like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fun to engage in stuff like that sometimes and be like, oh, hell yeah, this is so edgy. Like, that has an appeal. But it's
1: not, like, it's not based. Right,
0: exactly. I mean, it is a little bit. It's just, like, basically, it's just, like, if superheroes were real, then they would just probably be evil, but not, like, comic book evil, like, real-life evil. Like, they'd just be sex predators and corporate stooges and, you know, totally callous towards human life. And you're like... Yeah, that makes sense to me, and it just presents that in the most, like, callous, like, dark way they can think of. Whereas, like, the boys' TV show is, like, so much less nihilistic than the comic book is, but it, like, is less nihilistic in a way that brings it closer to real life, where it, like, feels so much more nihilistic, you know? And, like, actually Mm -hmm. feels like something. And, like, it's just, it's fascinating. I'm fascinated by it as a piece of adaptation.
1: Yeah, is it as good as adaptation?
0: Mm, no,
2: <laughs> adaptation's still well, better. Can't yeah. <laughs> can't win them all.
0: If I, I had to, if I had to do the rankings, I'd say close number two, The Boys. I'd say number one, Adaptation, starring Nicholas Cage. There you
2: go. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Fair enough. Fair enough. Keisha, uh, where you, did you watch that film when we watched it?
0: No, she wasn't here yet.
2: Um, I didn't watch it with I didn't watch it with you guys. No.
0: But you have it's, it's, seen it, it's, though,
2: it's, right? It's, it's a wild film. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, please, dear audience, if you're listening, I think you should watch Enemy Mind. It's pretty good. It's pretty it's good. A, it's a really good allegory for empathizing with people who are entirely different mm. than you. And the makeup's really good. If you like makeup, you should watch this. Yeah, if
1: you're, instead of watching your daily uh, makeup artist, watch this instead.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh Exactly. Exactly. Do you,
1: when you, okay, when you say make, makeup artist out loud, do you say moi or do you just say makeup artist? What? Wait, what? No, because when they write it out online, they're like, I'm an M U A, I'm a makeup artist, I'm a moi. But i I always want to just go, I'm a moi, but I don't think that's I, I don't think you
0: actually say I don't the think acronym. I have literally never heard that before. I've in my never
2: life. Oh this is a, it's an read epidemic, the, you guys. The acronym. Oh, see I don't lo- I don't watch makeup tutorials or anything I don't either I, I more probably of a face. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay yeah. well then
1: how do you know moi <laughs> it's because I it's because I'm in tune with queer culture Keisha
0: because she lives I for watched, the drama oh,
1: well, my I live for the drama oh I
2: see I see I see I, see, I,
1: I see, watch see. Trixie Mattel do things and then she talks about other makeup Trixie artists I Trixie Mattel do
2: things there you go I but I don't I've never seen moi but I guess i don't only read the description. I just watched the video. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'm all alone. Anyway. We're
1: not done.
0: We still got five minutes to kill. How are we feeling on enemy mine? Good flick. Dennis <laughs> so Quaid. So wait,
2: hold on. Touch. Instead of coming wait, naturally to a
0: conclusion,
2: <laughs> wait. we're just going to no, no, churn no. Wait, out wait, wait, wait. more yes. Pause. T-, t, T, T. We can't wait. Let's talk about the mine scene. Let's talk about the end of the movie. Because when all the 80s sh- villains okay. come out. Yeah, because this movie can, could not help itself but fall into the pitfall of an 80s villain. Oh, right. yeah. Because, oh yeah. So, like, the little boy, Zomish or the little child, they're like, oh, I want to explore. And Dennis Quaid says, no, you can only go this one direction. You can't go further because it's dangerous. And then he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. And so walks past where he's supposed to go, gets kidnapped by these evil, evil humans, <laughs> Who are enslaving a whole bunch of Drax to do? I don't even know, like evil stuff. Mine mining, stuff. I <laughs> don't know. I guess, mining. mine jewels. They're yeah, mining probably. blood diamonds. Go <laughs> blood, yeah, blood diamond mining, which again is a, a bit on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky. But then, so Dennis Quaid runs after him. And they're like, "Ooh, who's this crazy man? Like, what up?" And he's going to try to save zombies, and they shoot him, bam, <laughs> bam, and he falls down. And you're like, "Oh my god, he's dead! He, there's no way he survives this." How is and he gonna so finish the narration? Like, helicopter yeah. light coming, and it's like it goes back and forth. It's such a cool shot, and it, and it goes past his. He's like splayed out like starfish style, like he's just super dead. And- they go back the
0: best part of this fucking movie i think is like there are like two little moments that i think are just like wonderful beautiful pieces of screenwriting and i mean the first one is like right at the beginning when he's like with his whole crew and that one guy is like oh i'm seeing this girl and they're like what her the one we called the white balloon because she's so fat and he's like, I mean, yeah, but Jesus, dude, chill out. He's
2: like, she's lost yeah. 14 pounds. And, and then like, her. as he's
0: dying, like one of his last things he says are like, don't call her the white balloon anymore. It hurts her feelings. And you're like, oh my <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. that's so fucking good. I know. That's insane. Yeah, it's,
1: it makes you cry at the very beginning and it feels like a very yeah. well-deserved cry. Yeah. Like that, that's that's mm-hmm. wild for any uh, of these movies. And then right
0: at the end, when they fake you out and they make you think he's dead, you cut to this like, Space military funeral home where they have these like corpses, yeah, like coming in in a conveyor belt. And there are these two guys who like read the label and they're like, Uh, oh, what religion are they? So we know what music to play when we dump them yeah. out of the
1: spaceship.
2: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like full on just like tape recorders that they're changing and then they just shoot <laughs> them out. Into it's space. like the most
0: Douglas Adams shit, but it feels. It's so oh, funny, yeah. like, how little of, like, the rest of the universe we get in this movie. But just, like, the little bits, there's something that's, like, so cynical and, like, Douglas Adamsy about it in a way that, like, kind of weirdly doesn't mesh with the rest of the movie. But feels like it kind of does in a, like, fun contrast kind of way. I don't know. I I yeah. really like it. Yeah.
2: And I, I don't know. It's so cool because, like, in the beginning of the movie you see, like, not the it's more in the middle where, like, Jerry starts to teach Davidge, like, all of the book. Like, he, and he, Davage asks, he's like, why do you keep reading that book? What's so cool about it? And this isn't about religion. Like, that's not the important thing. But he asks him about his culture and, and Jerry's like, okay, I'm going to share this with you. Even though, like, I'm still a student, I'm not worthy of being a teacher, like there's no one else here and I want it's important to me that you learn this. And so the little it's like a little tiny metal book, and the metal book is what stops him yeah. from getting shot yeah. to death. And so they've like they like he like pops up, he's like, Oh like he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he gets right. a haircut. And then they and then and they think it's like, funny. But like they find out that he's alive still because he's like literally just like zombie zombie zombies like he's like like muttering to himself about his like adopted son, like his little nephew. And it's just so it's so tender and so sweet. And that whole sequence where and he's like trying to steal a
0: cool. plane, by the way, is like exactly in light year, just for the record.
2: Uh, it is a Oh fun my god, that's I crazy. Like yeah, because he's like he literally the whole time in the movie, he's like Oh, I just want to go back. Like, I know that we're going to go back. He like, ha- there's this scene where he's like, I-, I swear to God, like I dreaming that we're being picked up by a spaceship and I wake up and I can still hear the spaceship. And so he finally gets what he wants, but it doesn't matter to him anymore because there's life right. outside of himself that he needs to care about. Crazy, right? right? Oh, here's yeah. one other but, thing uh, I
0: wanted to say uh, before no, we, no, no, no. oh, you go ahead, Adeline.
1: I was gonna say the moment that we're talking about that's so cool is where he's like, he's basically stealing a plane to go rescue Zamish. And so he like gets yeah. into the plane and they're like, Uh, you're not authorized to be in here. Stop, stop it, bad boy. Stop doing yeah. that. <laughs> and he's like, so you can either open the door or I'm gonna fly this plane directly through the wall of the spaceship. Yeah. You can make a choice <laughs> about it. And they're like uh, fuck, I guess we'll open it. And he's like, you're not taking yeah. long enough. So then he shoots the door open and <laughs> flies out. Yep. It's sick. It's sick as hell. Like, hell yeah. yeah. It's so good.
0: No, uh.
2: I know. And his, his little haircut. Yeah. <laughs> no more beer. Well,
0: the thing about, the other thing I like about this movie is that like it, you know, it is not literally, but like uh, sort of conceptually, it's kind of a single location movie, right? Like it takes place yeah. in one mm-hmm. place. You're staying with these characters the entire time. And so many movies like that, that sort of try to be a single location movie, can't commit to it and have to have a B-plot with the guys on the planet or flashbacks yeah, woven in like so you can film somewhere else up, yeah. or stuff like that. Uh, like like I watched, uh, just as a random example, I watched The Princess the other day on Hulu because I was like – uh uh Derek Kolstad produced this, so I guess I want to see what it is. I thought I was going to hate it. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that that's a movie that's like, okay, so there's a princess in a tower. It's like the raid. She just has to get down to the bottom of the tower and fight her way through a gazillion guys. You're like, if that's, that's the movie, fun. that's great. But they can't just do that. They can't commit to it being a single location yeah. movie. They have to cut to her family on the ground and their drama and have like a bunch of extended flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So even though, you know, It's kind of generally a single location movie. Like they can't commit to like being with Joey King the entire time. Uh, And this movie really commits to being with the two of them the entire time. Like, you don't cut to somebody else. You don't get a flashback. You don't get like some, some like, you know, other part of the planet that you're, that is thematically related or whatever. Like it's all them the entire time. Which I think is kind of a blessing and a curse. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the like pacing issues you talk about just come from that, that you have to
1: yeah, no fill
0: time. But it certainly feels better than like a whole other subplot that you don't give a fuck about.
1: Because when you do that, yeah, there's always yeah.
0: one you care less about. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and whenever well, you cut to, to the sure. worst one, you're always like, oh, come on. Ugh, and
1: I gotta deal with this. Like, oh, who yeah. cares? Well, see, cause I was about to say the little B team that we like meet up with, who is like the people he's flying with at the very beginning, and then he kind of reunites them at the end of the movie. I think it's kind of funny mm-hmm. that these are, these used to be the most important people in their life, in his life, and we don't know who mm-hmm. the fuck they are, or why they're here, or what their relationship right. is. Yeah. Like, I think that's just so funny of like, he's got this new wonderful relationship in his life. And it's completely blocked out. Cause at the beginning of the movie, you're like, Oh, these are his best friends in the whole world. And then we just like, don't think about them for the whole rest <laughs> of the movie. Like, I don't even know what these fuckers names are. Right. Like, I just think that's so fascinating, especially for like an 80s movie. Like you think, Oh, we're going to have the team and there's the hot girl and there's mm-hmm. the funny one, you know, but we're like, no, we don't know. He doesn't, they're not important right now. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Uh, I can see how this movie was hard to market in the 80s. Because, (laughs) like, it's space, but, like, it's very slow. It's not, like, there aren't battles. There aren't huge, like, even the scene where he, uh, Davidge gets, like, wrapped around, like, the pit monster grabs him with its long tongue or whatever it is. Like, that scene could have been, like, adventurous but it was a lot more about the fact that jerry like heard him crying and came and saved him like that that's the point like you don't really see that much action you know
0: what you know what i've learned from this and a lot of our other episodes this is a this is a a genre movie that foregoes general genre things in favor of just being about feelings and Seems yeah, like yeah. people don't and I like love that. that. Shit. Seems like for the most part.
2: <laughs> and, people I
0: can't like, deal with and I and I do. Yeah. This is what Eternals was. This maybe is what fucking yeah. uh what's another good uh, example?
2: Maybe it's cuz we're really smart and everyone else is really dumb. I have thought really that. Dumb.
0: I do think that sometimes. <laughs> No, it's just like, you know, usually this is the kind of movie where you'd think it would be all about punching and fighting aliens yeah. and getting home and quips. by any yeah. means necessary, but it's not. It's about two people becoming friends. Yeah,
2: And I just, I really like just how equal, like there's just equality through the board. Like there are, you know, that bit where um, like Davidge is like, um, Mickey Mouse. I learned wisdom from <laughs> Mickey Mouse, right. and then like he's laughing, he's like chuckling to himself because Jerry's like, "Your Mickey Mouse is an idiot." <laughs> <And it's, laughs>
1: Him thinking and, like, he's it's, saying it's, something not, profoundly yeah, blasphemous, like but. some
2: yeah, and yeah. it's just like that's not offensive at all. But then there are other times where like Jerry will say something about Davidge that Davidge doesn't understand, and he'll just be chuckling to himself. Like and we're like we don't know what that means, but you can tell that like they're just they're getting the same quips out on each other. Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty good flip. I I do love that moment. I love that
1: moment where he's like, "Your God is an idiot," and he gets like super mad, and he's like, "Well, Mickey Mouse sucks," (laughs) and he's just like,
2: "Okay, I have
1: to walk away right now."
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I guess so." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you guys for watching this movie for me. I really <laughs> appreciate
0: it. Uh, so, hey, do you guys want to hear a one-star review of Enemy Mind from IMDb?
2: No. Uh, nope. I don't.
0: This yes, review, I actually
2: do. I'm kind of curious. This
0: review is me. titled, A Movie with a Message... Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, right.
2: Okay. It goes as follows. Oh,
0: Who on earth made this big time stink? Even if there was okay, supposed to be a moral about tolerance and putting aside differences to achieve a common goal, which I doubt, the completely <laughs> abysmal script utterly annihilates what little depth there was. The rest of the movie is a monstrous bore, and the villain overreacts really, 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 <laughs> really badly.
1: Are they talking about themselves? The villain. The it. villain, the reviewer. Even if
0: there is a moral about tolerance, which I doubt. Or whatever.
1: <laughs> I don't think there is.
2: Like, I, know, I, I think there is. I think I you watched the movie and you know that there is. It's literally in the title. Like <laughs> You don't even have to watch the movie and that's the moral of the title. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, anyway, my I name guess. is Jackson McMurray.
2: My name is Adeline McMurray, and my name is Keisha Rhodes.
0: And this has been the Cool Takes Podcast. Join us next week for something that doesn't have Adeline in it. Probably,
1: I gotta go on a youth trip.
0: Maybe we'll Woo. do a Barbie movie with
1: them? no. You can't do no. a Barbie movie without oh, okay. me. Okay, you want
0: to be for okay, and then we'll figure something out. It'll probably we'll be figure, Maddie we'll find something. as a guest, unless Elan, I can get though. somebody else. Oh, it could be Elon too, maybe.
1: Could be Elon. It might just be Twilight. Maybe it yeah. would be for
0: the best if we do our Dear Evan Hansen episode with Elon on a day when Adeline's not there Wait, do I d I don't Wait, I don't think Adeline could keep it to herself. That it's bad, that
1: it's a bad yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I yeah, maybe yeah. I think if I watched Dear Evan
0: Hansen, I probably couldn't keep it to myself. <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.